Hi, Parkview. I'm preaching in Phoenix this weekend. Do I not have a wonderful friend? Um, he, he preaches at a church in Phoenix, asked me to come and preach in August. So uh, I'll be inviting him to preach in February in Chicago. Whatever, I'm there. I wanted you to hear from some, from some good voices while I was gone, not just our team, but some others. I invited Jody Hickerson to come. Uh, Jody is one of the teaching pastors at Mission Church in Ventura, California. She and her husband, Mike, both are on the teaching team there. Mike's a, the, the senior pastor, lead pastor. Uh, it's also the church where my daughter, Lauren, the one's going to have a baby uh, in, in the fall, Tommy and Lauren, my daughter and son-in-law, are on staff with Jody. So, you know, this is kind of my way of, you know, trying to take care of Jody so she takes care of my grandkid, all right? So, and I know you're going to love her. So please uh, be nice to Jody and Mike, and would you please welcome Jody Hickerson. Hey, how's it going? Um, such an honor for me to be here. Um, it's really cool just to be here and, and actually see you. I love the opportunity to be in front of you because I get to kind of say thank you in person, which I don't really get to do very often. Um, I'm a part of a church plant team, um, Mission Church in Ventura, California, that started uh, almost, we're almost four years old, um, but Parkview Church, since before Mission even existed, has financially invested and Tim has been on our management team and you've given wisdom and leadership and money and resources and I'm telling you to be able to see you in person, those of you who just generously invest around here, there are lives that are being changed on the other side of the country um, because of that. And so I love to just be able to say thank you. Um, since we've started... Over 220 people have been baptized in the Pacific Ocean, and you are a huge part of that story. So I just feel so honored to say thank you. Um, and also, we love Tommy and Lauren, Lauren, um, Tim's daughter. They're just such a blessing to our staff. You guys that know them would know that, and just to our community. They're just awesome people. Um, to get started this morning, I would like to ask you a question. Have you ever had someone say to you, all right, I've got some good news, and I've got some bad news, right? So which one do you want to hear first? How many people want to hear the good news first? Wow, a few, few Debbie Downers. Wow, that is just so sad. Most of us, though, want to hear, you know, the bad news first because then it kind of makes the good news, like, seem even better, right? You don't really want to start with the good news. Think about, you know, LeBron James. If you're like, okay, good news, you're going to make it to the playoffs. You're going to get to do it in your hometown. The bad news, it's still Cleveland. You know, so you don't want to, I have nothing, I have nothing but love for Cleveland, all right, but you don't want to end with the bad news, you know, and we can so easily get bombarded with bad news, right? I mean, you turn on the TV, you watch the local news, you flip through social media, you read headlines, whatever, and it is like bad news, bad news, bad news, and our heads can begin to spin, which is why I really appreciated this segment from Jimmy Fallon um, a few months ago. Why don't you check this out? News is worse than ever, both here in the U.S. and everywhere around the world. It seems like there's nothing but bad news out there. Well, we here at The Tonight Show have decided to do something about that. Uh, so we asked real local NBC News anchors from all around the country to read stories that we wish were true, <laughs> stories that make us feel happy. <laughs> I'll show you what it means in tonight's installment of I've Got Good News and Good News. Obama and Speaker of the House John Boehner took a hot air balloon ride together to discuss what their favorite color is. According to reports, they each said every color at the exact same time, then hugged and floated off into the sunsets. Vladimir Putin says he's over the whole being evil thing. 
and is currently in the process of writing a children's book called The Happy Octopus. There's a new iPhone app out that helps give advice to people going through a divorce, but it didn't sell well in the stores. It appears that everybody is happily married. A new study found that water slides, pizza, sunshine, friendship, shooting stars, breath mints, dance parties, and turtles are all awesome. Great news, everybody. Ghosts cannot hurt you. Nobody's ever been hurt by a ghost. Ghosts are scary. Nobody's saying they're not. But there is not one reported case of death caused by a ghost. This just ends. Stress, spelled backwards, is desserts. Don't you feel better? Yes, getting some good news. Don't you wish those were the stories we were hearing? Um, well, today I've got some other kind of good news that I would love to be able to share with you. Um, have you ever had one of those moments where you like couldn't believe what was happening was actually happening? Or what just happened actually happened? I like to call those um, that just happened moments because you kind of stand back and you go, okay, did that just happen? You know, or wow, that just happened. Or sometimes, you know, you're like, dang, that just happened. And you, you can't believe what just happened just happened. Well, there were so many of those kinds of moments in the life of Jesus. I mean, you think about it. You know, the, the time that, that Jesus, like, takes some kid's Happy Meal and he feeds a crowd, you know, 5,000 more and more people, you know the disciples had to be thinking, okay, did that just happen? Like, that just happened. When he wakes up from the bottom of a boat, you know, and there's this crazy storm, and he's like got sleep in his eye. He's like, okay, quiet, be still. You know, and then the wind and the waves obey him. And the disciples are terrified because they're like, that just happened. When he heals a blind man on a road, can you imagine being that man? You couldn't see, and then you could. It's like, that just happened touches a man with leprosy, you know the crowds on the street had to gather around and go, dang, that just happened. And this weekend, as we get to our good news, we're going to gather around with a crowd of people in the middle of a street for one of these that just happened moments with Jesus. And he's with a woman, and she's down in the dirt. It's found in John chapter 8. It starts like this. Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, but early the next morning, he was back again at the temple. A crowd soon gathered, and he sat down and taught them. As he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery, and they put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? They were trying to trap him into saying something that they could use against him. Just to get a little context, like what's going on, you know, Jesus is gaining some popularity because that, that just happens when you're opening the eyes of the blind and you're healing people and, and you're speaking with authority like Jesus was. There's crowds of people and the Pharisees, the Jewish religious leaders of the time, they didn't like it one bit. So they're always trying to find a way to discredit Jesus in front of people, to get his followers to leave, to, to kind of trap him in a way that, that, that he would be discredited. So they're thinking, okay, he's going to be in front of the temple. There's going to be a large crowd of witnesses. This is where we're going to trap him. This is where we're going to discredit him. And they use this woman. Because if Jesus were to say, you know, they should stone her, then he would report 
them to the, to the Romans, which didn't allow Jews to carry out their own executions. If he were to say, no, don't stone her, then they would accuse him of violating Moses' law. So it's a trap. And Jesus knows it's nothing more than a trap. Not to mention that Jewish law required both the man and the woman to be brought in a case like this. You know, so where's the guy? It's like, I've seen enough law and order to know this is a setup, okay? They set her up and they found their girl. I don't know if they had somebody get with her. I don't know if they just knew her reputation. They knew she'd be easy prey. I don't know if they'd been following her for a while. I don't know, but... I mean, how else do you catch someone in the act? They knew their girl. They knew what she'd be doing and when she'd be doing it. And they grab her. And they don't at all see the intrinsic worth of this girl. She's just like a pawn in this religious chess game, right? And they pull her through the streets. I imagine that she just kind of grabs a sheet and wraps it around her in desperation as she is caught in the act and thrown there in the dirt in front of this crowd of people, in front of the temple, and in front of Jesus. And there is no doubt what these guys did, man, it was arrogant. And it was self-righteous, and it was judgmental, and it was scheming, and it was heartless. But think about her. Oh, man, she, she had to feel so embarrassed, right? I mean, she was guilty. I mean, she was caught. You ever been caught in the act of something? I've been there. She had to feel so trapped, so condemned, so exposed, so dirty, she had to feel so afraid because this really is life and death for her. I mean, this is the last group of people she wants to be undressed in front of, right? A, a group of religious people. A group of religious leaders. A group of people that got up early to hear a sermon, right? And then there was Jesus. This popular rabbi and teacher. What would he say? What would he do? Because it seemed that her life was in his hands. And in this moment, Jesus doesn't begin to cite religious law or defend himself, start a trial. Instead, it says that Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. And we're never told what he wrote in the dust. Some scholars believe that maybe Jesus was writing in the dust the sins of everyone else in the crowd that day because he could read their hearts and he wanted to remind them that they weren't all that innocent. Other people believe that because God wrote the Ten Commandments with his finger that maybe that's what Jesus is writing down in the dirt, the law, so that everyone could see, you know, maybe we haven't perfectly kept the law either. I don't know. What I do know is the coolest part for me is simply that Jesus stooped down. Because that is where she was. While everyone else is towering judgmentally over her, the God of the universe stooped down in the dirt. And I think, I don't know, maybe, as he knelt there with this woman, this downcast woman who you know she's not making eye contact with anyone, she's just staring down at the dirt, maybe, just maybe, what he wrote was for her. For her to see. Maybe as they knelt there, he wrote the Aramaic words for what she was feeling, guilty. And he'd sweep it away. 
dirty, he sweep it away. Ashamed, he sweep it away. God loves you. I don't know. I think had it been a moment for the Pharisees, the religious leaders, or even for the disciples, that John would have told us what Jesus had written in that dirt. Maybe this moment was for her. I mean, obviously the Pharisees weren't all that interested because in verse 7 it says, they just kept demanding an answer. What's it going to be? So he stood up again and he said, all right. But let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stoops down again and wrote in the dust. Right back in that moment with her. Right back on her level. And the ironic thing is, as we look and we read about the life of Jesus, he was tempted in every way that we are, yet he never sinned. I mean, no one else in this crowd was qualified to throw the first stone except for the one who was down doodling in the dirt. And as a side note, I don't know about you, but i got to remember that more. Because I think we all have the tendency at times to stand over fallen people, you know, kind of rocks in hand. And go, I can't believe you did that. I can't believe they did that. Can you believe she did that? He had it coming to him. And I need to be reminded, I got my own stuff. I mean, it's not going to end up on TMZ, you know, or the cover of Star Magazine or whatever. But the truth is, Jesus had to stoop down and get in the dirt from me. And I got no right to throw stones at anyone. Well, when the accusers heard this, they slipped away, one by one, beginning with the oldest, which I think is cool because the longer you live, the more you know, hey, I'm not perfect, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with this woman. Can you imagine hearing the sound of those rocks hit the dirt that were meant for you? rocks just all around in the dust. Her accusers, they're leaving. And there she is, left in the street. Jesus and this woman, they're both on their knees. I mean, just for a moment, let's not like think about this as a story that happened a long time ago, but maybe put yourself in her shoes. How do you feel? Confused? Guilty? Ashamed? Dirty? Grateful? I imagine she cannot stop the tears. They're just like making little dark circles, you know, in the dust where Jesus had been riding. And Jesus looks at her and he, he stands up again and I imagine he helps her up too and he says, look around, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. Even though the evidence is pretty overwhelming, right? I'm the only one who is qualified to make this call, and I do not condemn you. You are forgiven. You are not guilty. Go, sin no more. Go, live grateful for this new life. Go, you don't have to keep looking for love and all the places you've been looking for love because right now, in this moment, you are standing in front of unfailing love. 
You are so worth it. You are so priceless. You are so adored. You are so worth it that the God of the universe just got down in the dirt with you. Go. Go and live grateful for this new life. And you know she had to be thinking as she walked away, that just happened. And I have no idea, and I don't pretend to know What's going on in your life as you walk in here this weekend? I don't know you. We have not met. But I want you to know a couple of things. The first one is this. This is some good news. We have a different crowd standing around us in this place today. See, maybe you too have thought that the last place you'd like to be exposed is in front of a bunch of church people. Right in front of a bunch of people that got up early to come hear, you know, a sermon. Like you can't even believe you walked in. You don't know what makes you keep walking in. You don't know why the ceiling hasn't caved in yet. But you know if people here really knew you and really knew your stuff and really knew your struggle and really knew your confusion and really knew your reputation and really knew your past, really knew your mess, they would judge you. And they would reject you. And they would say, no, not you. Not with that. Not with that criminal record. Not with that background. Not you. But you need to know, it's a different crowd surrounding you today. I know the leadership of this church well enough to know that is so far from the heartbeat of this place. That this isn't a church full of better than superior religious people just waiting to catch you in the act, right? And throw stones. But that this room is made up of all kinds of people, am I right? With all kinds of baggage and all kinds of history and all kinds of struggle. And the one thing that we all have in common is that Jesus had to stoop down in the dirt for every single one of us. This is a safe place. Man, I hope you keep showing up. I hope you keep walking in here. I hope you have the courage to talk with somebody, to get to know somebody, to get into a group, to pray with somebody, to reach out to a friend and say, you know what, here's the truth. I've been afraid to say it. I haven't wanted to expose myself, but my marriage, it's a mess. Finances are a mess. I'm afraid. I feel trapped. I feel so confused about this. You know what I think you'll find? I think that you will hear the most powerful words that we can hear when we are in struggle. I think you'll hear the words, you know what, me too. I've been there. I've been right there, me too. Because we have a different crowd surrounding us today than this woman. I also want you to know that there's an accuser that is after you too. All right, the Bible calls Satan, you know, kind of the enemy of our souls, the father of lies. It also calls him, one name for him is our accuser. Because that's what he does. He kind of just throws accusations at us. You know, he wants to keep us from ever changing. He wants to, you know, keep us down in the dirt. He wants us to keep us from ever living out that grateful second chance, that new life. Because just when we think, just when we begin to think, you know what? Maybe Jesus would meet me where I'm at. Maybe my life could be different. Maybe my life could be transformed. Maybe I could live a different way. Maybe I could live a different story. You know what he does? He begins to say, no, it can't. Come on. 
You're not going to leave this. You know how many times you said you're going to leave this? You're not going to leave this. You're not going to stop this. This is just who you are. You ever heard the story about the woman who was walking to work and she had to walk past a pet store um, on her way to work and they apparently got a new parrot and when she walked by the pet store um, this new parrot said, Hey lady! And she kind of looked up and he was like, You're ugly! She's like, offended, but she just, you know, keeps walking and kind of ruined her whole day. She's like, that was disturbing, you know? So the next day she's walking by, she kind of, you know, a little hesitation, and she sees the parrot there and she begins to walk by and he goes, hey lady! She looks up, he goes, you're ugly! I mean, well, she is like kind of infuriated at this point. Like, this is not ruining my day again. She goes in, she talks to the pet store owner, she tells him what happened. He's like, I am so sorry. Like, this will, this will not happen again, okay? And so the next day, she's walking by. She's feeling pretty confident. And then that parrot goes, hey, lady. She goes, what? He goes, you know. You know? <laughs> and that's what happens to us. That's what our accuser does. And it's annoying. And you hear his voice, and he goes, you know. You know. I don't even have to say it. You know who you are. You're a drunk. You're a loser, you're an addict, you're a pervert, you're alone. That's just who you are. You're unlovable. That's who you are. And he throws these accusations at us. He goes, you know. So that instead of believing and living out that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, we do feel condemned to carry around like a load of shame for who we think we are. And listen, shame, man, that can take us out. Lewis Smead says this about the difference between guilt and shame. It says the difference is very clear in theory. We feel guilty for what we do. We feel shame for what we are. A person feels guilt because he did something wrong. A person feels shame because he is something wrong. And that is what our enemy, our accuser, wants us to believe, that we are something wrong. You see, he can't do anything about the fact that Jesus can forgive sin. And he can't do anything about the fact that he will meet us right where we are. And he can't do anything about the fact that God can redeem us and restore us and save us. But he will settle if he can keep us staying down in the dirt, believing that we're guilty, feeling condemned, paralyzed by shame, ineffective for the kingdom of God. He will settle for that. Listen, we have a different crowd surrounding us today and a different accuser that's trying to keep us down in the dirt. But here's the really, really good news. We have the same Jesus. And he still stoops down to meet us where we are. Maybe you don't know that about God. Maybe you've forgotten that about God. Maybe you have thought if you approach God with who you really are, he would be disgusted by you, angry with you, because you just keep doing that thing. He's just so frustrated by now with you. He's fed up with you. Maybe you have thought that you want to approach God, but you just have a few things to do first, right? You've got to get your life cleaned up just a little bit first before you fully... Come to him. Let me tell you something. You need to know today that God is not afraid to show up right in the middle of your mess. He showed up right in the middle of my mess. I mean, he still does because I'm still a mess a lot of the time. 
And he meets me right where I am, not where I pretend to be, not where I hope to be, but right where I am. And he is bold enough to deal with your dysfunction, no matter what it is. And he is fearless enough to walk with you through the doors of a rehab facility, through an addiction. He's heroic enough to lift you up out of whatever kind of abuse you may have known, and he is humble enough. Our God is humble enough to stoop down in the dirt, whatever mess it is, and meet you where you are. That is our Jesus. That's his track record. And listen, that's for all of us. That's an all-skate, right? There's no one that's exempt. It's not this secret club that some of us can get in and others of us can't get in. Isn't that the worst feeling in the world too? Like when you can't get in? Listen, that's not Jesus. I felt that way. Like not with what I've done, not with where I've been, not with what I've seen, not what I've contributed to, not with the shame that I carry. But then you know what? I look at the life of Jesus and Jesus, he met people like me. He took notice of a blind man and made him see saw a locked up kid and and set him free, told little Zacchaeus to get out of the tree. He felt it when a desperate woman touched his cloak, kneeled beside a dead girl, and up she woke, hung out with the down and out and broke, offered hope to the forgotten with just the words he spoke. He touched a man with leprosy that others would mock, touched the mouths of the mute and at once they could talk, forgave a woman at a well who was the laughing stock, came to be a shepherd to a wandering flock in the company of sinners. That's where he would eat. Defended an adulterer, made her accusers retreat, made followers out of men who were crooked cheats, and let the tears of a prostitute anoint his feet. And suddenly, undeniably, miraculously, They got in, in his story, in his truth, in his grace, in his purpose, in his eyes, someone great, and I wanted to be in. And since the day I met with him, he took all that I had been, all my fear, my shame, my sin, and changed my life by letting me in. It is by the grace of God that I am in, and by the grace of God, you can be in too. I have heard it said Maybe you've heard this too. The justice, that's like when we get what we deserve. And mercy is not getting what we deserve, but grace. Man, that is getting something we could never deserve. And that's the good news. That this grace is for all of us. You see, the wages of sin is death. That's some bad news, right? I mean, that's the penalty for us. It's life or death for us, just like this woman. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. That is good news. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's bad news because that word all, um, it means all. Like all of us. We've all sinned. And the word sin, it's just a church way of saying that there's a target and there's a bullseye of perfect living. And our sin is simply every time we've missed the mark, we've missed the bullseye, and we have all missed the bullseye. But here comes the good news. The rest of that verse says, Yet God, with undeserved kindness, declares that we are righteous. And he did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. For God presented Jesus as a sacrifice for sin. And people are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. That is good news. 
that God with undeserved kindness, he gives us grace we could never deserve when we were trapped and caught and guilty and condemned and ashamed. God made a way for us to be made right with him again and his name is Jesus. And maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus. He still stoops down for each one of us. He's not afraid of your mess. He's not angry with you, disgusted by you, fed up with you. He wants to help you up. He wants to give you new life, new direction today. Or maybe for some of you, you've believed that at some point, or maybe you're, you're beginning to. But you've been listening to the lies of your accuser and it's keeping you down in the dirt because you think, sure, God loves me and sure, he forgives me for all my stuff, but you know what? I still did what I did, so I'm still worthless. Or I'm all used up. God doesn't really want me. It's not like I can really change. I keep going back to the same stuff. Let me tell you something that I'm learning. While that kind of shame can be an enemy to our souls, this amazing undeserved grace, that's the enemy of our shame when we begin to receive it. Because shame, that will be what towers over us and tells us that we're defective. But grace stoops down and tells me I'm valuable. Shame says because I'm flawed, I'm worthless. Grace says even though I'm flawed, I'm priceless. Shame believes it's the opinion of the crowd that matters, and grace says it is the opinion of God that matters. Shame leaves me alone and isolated. Grace gives me relationship like none other. Shame makes me hide. Grace sets me free. Shame keeps me down. Grace picks me up. Shame is the language of my accuser, and grace is the language of Jesus. See, Jesus, he didn't stoop down for me. I mean, he didn't get in the middle of all of my mess so that he could forgive me and love me and then leave me there, unchanged, still feeling guilty and ashamed and condemned. No, he lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and the mire, and he set my feet on solid ground and steadied me as I walked along, and he has given me a new song to sing, a hymn of praise to our God, that many will see what he has done and be amazed. It'll be like, dang, that just happened and they will put their trust in the Lord today could be a that just happened moment for you where I believe you could encounter Jesus Christ because he will meet you right where you are and if it is it won't be the last because following Jesus man it is ongoing transformation it's not a one time encounter his grace saves us and it continues to change us. But if you walked in here today at all feeling caught or trapped or guilty or filthy or dirty or ashamed, I want you to know what my God has written about you with his hand. I have swept away your sins like the morning mist. I have scattered your offenses like the clouds. Oh, return to me, for I have paid the price to set you free. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. 
I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remembers your sins no more. I'll forever wipe the slate clean of their sins. Isn't that good? So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Where are your accusers? Does anyone condemn you? Jesus would say to you this morning, neither do I go and live a new life. He wants to help you up today and let you know you're not guilty anymore. You're not filthy anymore. You are mine, and I love you. God, I pray this morning. I pray this morning, God, for some moments, some, some moments, some significant moments to happen in the seats of this room. Jesus, that you would meet us right where we are here today, God. You'd wade through all the mess, all the debris, God, that you would get to those places in our heart where we've been hiding, that we've tried to keep secret, that we're ashamed of, that we think are such a big mess, you don't want to come near with a 10-foot pole. God, I pray that you would meet us in those places in this room, in this moment. God, I pray that there would be some people in here today that would trust you. I pray there would be some people in here today that would receive the good news of your life and your death and your resurrection and what that means for us. I pray, God, there would be people in this room today that would reach out to someone because there's a different crowd surrounding us today, God. And I pray that we would have the courage to be vulnerable with one another and say, this is what's going on. This is my mess. And God, I pray that we would respond to one another with grace and we would say, me too. I've been there and God loves you. We would drop our stones. Lord, we love you and we are so grateful that you came for us. You weren't content to send us information about yourself or a brochure about yourself, but you actually sent yourself. And you came for us and you loved us and you saved us. We are forever grateful. In Jesus' name, amen.